I get Taco Bell is my guilty pleasure. I would get it like once a month <laughs> because <laughs> I love how artificial it tastes there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Proactivity Lab, where we put the tips, tricks, and methods of getting stuff done to the test. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mark. And today we are doing our first official book review. Yay. I'm excited. <laughs> I sound too thrilled about it. Yay. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were, uh, Mark and I were talking a couple weeks ago about the idea of having every fifth episode be a book review. And today's review is Hyperfocus by Chris Bailey. But before we get to that book, what have you been working on, Mark? Writing and reading. Uh, Reading to write and writing so people can read my writing. (laughs) Wait, wait, what do you mean? (laughs) Um, So my main focus has been, um, I've been hyperfocused on my (laughs) writing uh, during this period of time. So, um, (laughs) this book came at a really good time. Uh, but (laughs) I've been kind of like knocking out my goals and and reestablish my goals for the month, uh, for some writing. So my, uh, goal for the month of July for project dollar was 4,000 words, which is pretty small, right? It's a (laughs) thousand words a week, but, I was able to knock half of that out in a singular uh, or, or in a single weekend. Oh, nice. And wow. Yeah. So then I kind of did some estimates and extrapolated that in, I guess, a month from now to have 10,000 words written. Um, so we'll see. But it's been a lot of uh, writing, rereading uh, some of my favorite authors and, and hopefully I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get to a little bit of that, what I've got out of this book, um, rereading some of my favorite authors to help inspire me, see what they're doing. And then it kind of helped inspire me to write. So, uh, I'm sure I will circle back to this topic, uh, in the review for this episode, but that's what I've been working on. What about you? Uh, give me one second. I'm trying to pull up toggle right now. <laughs> I'm trying to get some accurate data on this whole thing. Yeah, we will have an episode on time tracking sometime in the future, I'm pretty sure. But uh, right now, let's see. Uh, my number one project in the past month has been working on Mario Maker levels. <laughs> As I mentioned oh, in this episode, I've been really into that game. I actually haven't released that many levels, but I'm like stuck on one, one level right now that has a bunch of hard jumps in it. And the only way to get to the part that I'm trying to grow on the freight... Uh, the only part I'm trying to... Okay, so how it works is like... I, it's a full P speed run, which people that play Mario Maker will know what that means. It's just your fastest speed you go to. And okay. you jump really quickly and you can't slow down. And I'm trying to do a bunch of like trick jumps that like, you have to like jump on a certain object at a certain time. But these jumps are kind of hard for me at times. So like, as I'm editing the uh, the level, a lot of that time goes towards... Yes, I time track Mario Maker. <laughs> as I'm editing the level, I... Uh, I end up spending a lot of time just trying to get to the part that I'm stuck at and then I grow from there. So it's not really a career level. It's just saying that's there to test my skill. Okay. As, as a uh, Mario player and not necessarily a Mario maker level designer, I really want to design more career levels in the future, but I've been kind of slow at that. Uh, my next biggest thing in here has been uh, writing and reading. And then after that, editing for the show. Yay. Yeah. So, and also a few other things when it comes to uh, my other side projects I'm working on. My uh, my biggest time tracking by client is myself. Isn't that isn't that nice? I'm working on myself this month. <laughs> hey, I, you t- invest in yourself. The right. highest thing in that is uh, reading nonfiction. Sounding pretty good. With reading. I think thanks to this book is why I'm reading so much this month. Last month, I didn't read at all. It was a really bad month for reading. This month, on the other hand, pretty good. Pretty good month for reading and also a pretty good book, I'd say, too. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, that's all I have to say. Any other, any other updates for you? Uh, nothing else, no. 
All right. Well, I guess that leads us into our book review. Or in this case, book recap, I guess, is that what this is? Recap and review? Yeah, yeah, recap and review and thoughts. Yeah. So how would you describe this book and, and the gist of this book, Mark? How would I describe the gist of this book? Yes. Now I'm going to sound like someone that didn't read the book and is giving a book report. <laughs> um, the the actually this is perfect, right? So <laughs> as I was doing my little notes and everything uh, within the Kindle app, and then when I'm done with that, I then pull out quotes that stand out to me after mm-hmm. I read it. I write those quotes down. And then I write my thoughts about those quotes um, and everything else. So that's kind of how I, I write uh, my reviews. Mm-hmm. And these are for my own personal stuff. But then I've also published those on my blog. Mm-hmm. So there's t- kind of two sets. There's a raw review, with, which gets my raw thoughts. <laughs> and then the, the published version, publicly published version, may include some of those thoughts, but also includes... Uh, hopefully a little bit more refined. I, I've been able to think about it, but <sighs> how I would sum this up is from my notes and things that I took, um, I have a theme of consumption. Um, a lot of the quotes and things that I pulled were around consumption, whether that's a good or a bad thing. So for example, in the earlier portion, there's a, a point where he taught, where he states that, the fewer things you pay attention to, the more productive you become. We are what we consume. Mm-hmm. And those were two separate quotes. And so that's kind of how I would sum up this book. It's, it's yes, it's about creating that focus, but how do you create this, that focus um, uh, to attack those particular tasks or goals or projects that you want to accomplish, right? Um, you, you, have it and and it's split into two parts Mm -hmm. uh the primary of the hyper focus right what are things uh that you consume that's impacting your ability to hyper focus or to focus strictly on this one particular thing right and how are the things that you consume what are some things that you can remove to help you better focus on that and then for scatter focus what I took from that, uh, what was unsaid, is what are other things within the peripheral that you can consume to let your brain process on the background, right? Um, so for me, the theme was consumption. And that's how I would kind of sum up the gist of the book <laughs> from from my perspective. Like, w- what did you think? How would you describe it? Uh, similar, I guess. Yeah, like you said earlier, that this book is split into two different parts. It's split into hyperfocus, which is the title of the book, and then scatterfocus, which is the other half of the book. And in my mind, this book was pretty much how to optimize or ideas to add to your environment or subtract from your daily life to make sure that you get the most intent out of the things that you're trying to accomplish. That's how... and. Uh, and also on top of that, like how you process things as well. That's how yeah. I that's how I viewed the book, because that's he does go into. <laughs> yeah, well, we have our own ways of it's it's art, I guess. You take away <laughs> the, as you will. <laughs> it's nonfiction, uh, very uh, utilitarian arts, but still art. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I I actually was on that recommend this book because I read a book prior to this by the same author, Chris Bailey, that was actually the inspiration for this podcast. So it's kind of fitting that we read this book first. And what was the book that you uh, read? The-, the Productivity Project. Ah, okay. Where uh, the author, Chris Bailey, would uh, try out different methods for writing mm-hmm. a book. Yeah. And he would do everything and like he did everything from like no caffeine for a week to like working 50 hours one week and like 30 hours the next week. And then yes. uh, early morning work sessions versus late night work sessions. Like he tried out all these different things. I was like, that's or like a really cool idea. We should for re- one hour. Wait, what? Or, or being bored for one hour calling yeah. like the, the luggage department or something like that at the airport. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like this book is definitely an extension to, I think, his summary of what he learned from the, uh, uh, the productivity projects. 
And I think this kind of is like more of like a follow-up book to that, although he doesn't really mention it directly. He talks about a lot of things that he does in that book that works for him. So this feels like a more in-depth look to the things that works with him in the last book. And I guess we should uh, start with the, uh, like, like our thoughts on the book and a summary of it as well, like, like what our main takeaways were. And I think we should start with the hyperfocus section, which is the title of the book, but only 50% of the book. <laughs> yeah. I found that yeah. odd. <laughs> I guess focus is such an easy name for a book tile that there's a billion other ones out there that have the word focus in it. It's a popular uh, uh, keyword uh, for searching, right? Uh, yeah. You want to make sure that you get that, uh, get ranked in those search results. I guess we'll start with you, Mark. What were your big takeaways for the hyperfocus section of the book? Okay. So um, for my big takeaways, right, uh, we already covered what I thought the theme was or what I pulled out of the theme being consumption. Um, looking back, a majority of my notes were in the scatter focus half mm, okay. of the book. Interesting. Okay. But uh, my top three takeaways, the, the first two um, are actually in the hyper focus section. And that's the rule of three and environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he actually calls it environment, but that's what I uh, noted uh, for myself. So for the rule of three, um, why that was such a takeaway for me is, as he explains in a book, we all like get together and, and write our to-do list, right? Mm-hmm. We get into, or I get into work in the morning and I'm like, okay, I work in support so my day can drastically change. So I know the number one thing that I need to work on are uh, my customers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's other projects and things that I do outside of that. Um, so then, you know, I typically write a long list of things that I need to tackle for the day. And some of those get moved to the next day. And reading this kind of reminded me of years back of when I instituted what I called the power hour in my work day. So the okay. power hour, uh, and I actually had a blog post about this many years ago, but the power hour was the first hour of my day work day. Um, and the, the day before the last 30 minutes, I would plan my next work day. And I would say, this is the number one thing I'm working on tomorrow in my power hour. So my first hour of the day, I will be tackling my most difficult task to get it done and mm-hmm. out of the way or the most important thing that I needed to get done. And so when I come in in the morning, I knew immediately what I was working on. I did not check email. I did not listen to voicemail. I did not do anything else that would distract me from that task. Right. And I was able to knock out the hardest work while I had the brain power <laughs> and willpower to do so. Um, and it gave a really rewarding feeling. And that's part of what he talks about in this rule of three, right? And that you're, you're booking the part of your day to focus on these particular items. And even if it's two or one item, right? It's something that, that you've noted that you want to get done. And it's, it's setting that specific intention. I like how he use, uses the word intention um, throughout the book when it, when it comes to those items. And further, he goes a little, I liked how he went a little bit into um, when setting your intentions, your, your top three things that you, that you want to accomplish for the mm-hmm. day, um, being specific about it and not being um, like, I want to work out today. Um, it was, was one of the examples. Mm-hmm. And then that again, reminded me of using the SMART methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, SMART's an acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, and relative and time bound. And some of the acronyms change the words a little bit, (laughs) um, depending on who you're looking at, what workflow you're looking at, Mm -hmm. but they, they're all essentially the same thing. And it's just, instead of saying like, I'm going to work out today, you make it very specific and time bound or measurable. I'm going to work out at lunchtime today for 30 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. And just because you have the, the rule of three set, it increases your probability to getting that done. And then when you make it specific, it quadruples that that possibility of you actually having 
uh, getting that task and that I, goal done. I really like the whole use of three as well, because it's not overwhelming. I think that I would yeah. say it's good to push it up to five if you really need to max out, but no more than five. Mm-hmm. Because like sometimes you just have like a really busy day and you just got to get a lot of things out of the way, but you can't like use all the time and energy to do that. So just choose five things. But yeah, the rule of three, I really appreciate it a lot. It's like how it even goes into saying like they can make it like a weekly thing or a monthly thing as well. Like have like a daily three, a weekly three, a monthly three, and like a yearly three. Yes. Like, like kind of yes. you get a little bit more broad with like each one, but you extrapolate from that broad one to a more specific one in the month and the more specific one in the day. I really like the rule of three. That is, uh, it reminded me that's one of, I think one of the best episodes of any productivity podcast I've listened to called, uh, the podcast is called Focused. And uh, oh, yeah, I mentioned them a lot on this show because they're great. Uh, and one episode they talk about moving the needle mm-hmm. and it's pretty much like defining the task that can best m- push a project or task forward. So say you have maintenance things you got to do and you have things that actually build on top of something. Maintenance is important, but if you are trying to get something done, you should also define your moving the needle task and get those out of the way first, which is the top three things in this rule of three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a really good section in this book. Yeah. So did I. Um, and like when, when I look back at it, I'm like, Oh, like I didn't use the rule of three in the sense in, in the day to day. I just like made a long list of things that I want to get done for the day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, but when it came to, I do planning like every quarter. So there's three big goals that I want to accomplish, you know, for um, July, August and September. I have three big goals that I'm trying to accomplish each month. Um, one goal per month, if I can, is sometimes that that single goal stretches two months. Mm-hmm. Um and so this one, for example, is for this quarter, it's getting my 10K words. Like I mm. really need to push project dollar through. Um, and I didn't realize like the rule of three, like I was applying that from a quarterly planning perspective, uh, but not necessarily in the day to day. So that's I think that's something that I'll definitely do. My uh, weekly notion task and goal list is so long. I think this is going to simplify it and make it a little bit more meaningful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes um, I have like simple goals like sleep seven or more hours a day, which is saying that you could accomplish without having to worry. But that's more like a maintenance goal. It's not like uh, moving, the needle, moving the needle kind of goal. Well, you know, actually, that will make a very good future episode. Sleep. Working on sleep. Yeah. Sleep for sure. and its impact on productivity. I agree. Uh, I have a book that I need to read about sleep. So what's it called? So the book is called the book is called Sleep Smarter. 21 okay. Essential Strategies to Sleep Your Way to a Better Body, Better Health, and Bigger Success by Sean Stevenson. Um so it looks really interesting. Um and I actually borrowed this from a coworker, uh, but I have yet to read it. And um, <laughs> See, I really yeah. need to. I don't know why I'm showing you the book. <laughs> yeah. For our audience but at home, he's holding a book up to them. I'm holding to the camera. <laughs> I love my books. A hardcover um, book too. Yes. Right. Yeah. He does talk about sleeping and hyper focus as well, but it's not as big as a topic. No, it's not. Um, and I, th- I think that would be something good to mm-hmm. explore a little bit further. So what else, though, did you take from the book? The second thing was environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that I've actually been conscious on uh, recently. And, you know, just if you're listening to these back to back and I'm like, oh, I've been thinking about that. Oh, I've been <laughs> It's trying to sound like I, it seems like I'm ahead of, I'm not, it's just, you know, small little things that you, that's been in the back of your mind or Mm -hmm. that you've been trying to do. And then you end up reading something or coming across something. You're like, Hey, this came at a perfect time. And so uh, the second thing for me was environment and Mm -hmm. it's how he talked about simplifying your environment, right. Um, To reduce your distractions. uh, So to allow you to better focus on the 
the task or the intentions that you've chose throughout the, the day. And this kind of reminded me of, you know, breaking or creating a habit. And this comes from the book uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Which I think it is on our reading list, but not for a few months. No, it's not. Never mind. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, <laughs> it should be on our reading list. It should be. Um, so, I, but the only thing I was going to mention about that is um, in the book, the two things why that linked together for me is that it's modifying your environment to be able to create a better habit or modifying your environment to eliminate distractions. And this can be from putting your phone in another room. So when I know that I come home from work, I'm like, okay, I need to write. I need to do some research on something um, or whatever the task I need to do. I keep the phone on the kitchen table. (laughs) Yeah. I keep the tablet on the kitchen table and I don't have any of that to distract me. And it goes into, he has a chapter called 40 Seconds, that if you're you're connected to the internet, right, we are only able to maintain attention for 40 seconds before we get distracted. I have that written down in my notes too. I find that really fascinating like that. And that's definitely true, especially if you're doing work that you don't care about. You're like, oh, I could go check Reddit for a second and like 10 minutes pass and then 30 minutes pass. And you're like, oh, shit, I should be doing some work. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel that 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 same way as well. It's like if I got my phone right here, even if it's turned down. Right. Um, he talked about this like he's sitting in a cafe and and he's watching people. Their phone is turned down, but they keep picking it up. Mm. It's it's that thing about picking up your phone and, and mm. checking this fear of missing out. And I, and I've been trying to eliminate that much more, especially with uh, my cell phone of not taking it with me everywhere, mm. having Internet free weekends and stuff mm. like that. So to allow me to better focus, because then I'm like. And he's right. And I watched one of his interviews, which is not part of of the book review, but is in the vein of the same content in his TED Talks that he gave, in which he, he sorry, there was just a ding for my toggle timer <laughs> and it completely distracted me and I lost everything that I was going to say. Talking about Chris Bailey's talks. Yeah. And I don't even know what I was leading up to. About <laughs> leaving your phone elsewhere. Guys, we're recording at 9 p.m. at night. We've had a long day at work. <laughs> yeah. I worked nine and a half hours, and that's by design. And yeah, it's, I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah. So it was a fleeting thought that that, that came to me in the moment. Um, <laughs> right. Well, and going I, I've at, lost that. Going but, on the phone. Yeah. What, what was yours? Okay. So I have a lot of notes in this chapter, or not this chapter, this half of the book. Oh, okay. They're kind of scattered. Which is, I guess, appropriate for our next section of this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the rule of three was the first thing I wrote down. We said that was a really useful thing to do. Keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do like the idea of one thing that he mentions in hyperfocus section. Uh, the hyperfocus section of hyperfocus is the actually two things I liked a lot that he brought up. Uh, the one I'll bring up first is the one that I was less impressed by, but I still liked a lot is the, his modified Eisenhower matrix. Okay. Do you know the Eisenhower matrix? No. Uh, president Eisenhower is known for doing this. So that's why he's the namesake of it. It's a quadrant of task management. You have a two by two grid. Uh, you have with on the X axis, you put like, uh, what are they? I need to pull this up. Give me one second because I have Eisenhower matrix. All right. So President Dwight Eisenhower made a matrix called the Eisenhower matrix, at least as historians call it that. And then it's a two by two grid. So it's four four different uh, quadrants, I guess. It's like a four square. And on the top row, you yeah, on the top row, you have urgent and not urgent written on the top. And then on the on the left column, you have important and not important on it. 
and you group your task by those delegations. Like, is this thing an urgent thing to do? Is it not? And then there's, there's like different guides, like how you deal with it. The idea is that if it's like urgent and important, do it now. Important, but not urgent. Schedule it for another time. Not important and urgent. Delegate it to somebody else if you can. Uh, and then not important and urgent, delete it. So that that's kind of the idea behind it. But Chris Bailey decided to make his own modification on it mm-hmm. that I actually liked a lot more. The <laughs> annoying, fun, and control, no control. <laughs> well, unattractive, attractive takes over the part of urgent and not urgent. And then productive and unproductive takes over the part of uh, important and not important. I like that a lot more because there are things out there. It's like, or I like this because you could apply it for more than just your daily task. You could apply it for everything you do in the day. Mm -hmm. Like today I went on Twitter for X amount of time. That was an attractive, but highly unproductive thing. That's distracting work. You should find some way to control that some way. You also put like, I, I worked in design work this morning for a project that I needed to work on or that's due soon. And that would be considered attractive and productive for me because I like design work. So I consider that purposeful work as he calls that. And also he calls productive and unattractive as necessary work, which would be like maintenance stuff typically or things that you need to do, but you don't want to do. And then unproductive and, and, un- and unattractive as unnecessary work, which is, I think, harder to define that category. But I like it because you like take inventory on your life with this matrix. Yes. Uh, I will try to include a picture of this. I took a screenshot from my Kindle. Uh, yeah. I will try to include a picture of this into the show notes so people get a better idea for it. Absolutely. But, uh, I liked that part a lot. But most importantly, which we discussed earlier, will be a good topic idea, is the attention log as he brings up. The attention log is my favorite part of this entire chapter which is the idea that every hour you ping yourself and whenever your alarm goes off, you write down what you're doing right now and where it fits into this modified Eisenhower matrix. So you say like, right now I'm procrastinating on Facebook. That would be attractive but unproductive. So you take a log in that and you hold yourself accountable. Then maybe the next hour you're deep down and writing something, uh, then you could put that as an attractive and productive piece of work. Or maybe you're doing something like email and that would be unnecess- that would be unattractive and unproductive in most cases. Of course, you guys send out important emails occasionally. We'll say checking your email then. Uh, then you can go, that's unnecessary. I'll just check it like 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes after lunch and 30 minutes before I leave the office. Yeah. Like, I like it a lot because every hour you keep tabs on what you're doing and nothing is better than looking in a mirror and going, holy shit. Oh. <laughs> uh. like, it was the most healthy, healthy and worst thing you could do. I look at looking at my time reports. Sometimes I'm just like, "Oh my god, Kyle, what the hell?" <laughs> like, this is like a more specific version of that. So you brought up a a, a super good thing, um, and I'm trying to find what actual page uh, it was on, but it was in the sense of if you were to watch yourself or replay what you were doing, Mm. what would you rather see yourself doing? (laughs) Be on the couch watching TV or doing something that's very productive and will further your goals. Yeah. And and I'm trying to find uh, uh, in my notes of what page that was on, but can I, that that was, that stuck out, really stuck out to me because then (laughs) I was like, okay, now I'm sitting here watching this show and if I was actually to watch myself right now, is this what I want to go? Is this well, what I want to see? This is actually one thing I really like about Chris Bailey's philosophy, which is why I think that he jives well with me. Is it's all about intentionality. Like if you want to watch Netflix all day, and that's what you plan for that day, and you feel fine with it, go ahead and do it. But if you'd rather be editing an episode of the Productivity Lab, then do that first, and then go binge Netflix. Like it's all about the intentionality behind it, which I like a lot. And is yeah. going to bring up focused again. He's an episode of focused. Uh, he brings up like that, like he binged like an entire show over the course of a weekend. And that's what he wanted to do that weekend. So he considered, he considered that weekend very productive. So it just goes on to like what you want to do. Yes. And, and, and I found it and it's actually in the hyper focus section uh, <laughs> in, which, in which he references that. But your comment just 
uh, reminded <laughs> me of that. And yes, I do at times like schedule like, okay, I'm I'm going to watch TV tonight. Mm-hmm. But it's those times where I've laxed in my planning where I'm like, I know I need to get these things done. Mm-hmm. If I don't get it done tonight, then tomorrow will come and I'll try to end up making some excuse. Yeah. So then putting that camera on myself, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think I would rather see myself editing or see myself writing or see mm-hmm. myself getting these tasks done than hitting next on that uh, remote control to play the next episode. I found a way that I could that I'm trying to use right now to guilt myself. <laughs> so is, I, I've now I created a timer and I created two timers in Toggle that records the same main timer. The main timer is non-productive time. And I created two tags with two separate timers inside of it. One is called intentional non-protective time. And the other one is called unintentional non-protective time. And I do a lot of time blocking for my daily work task. Not necessarily for hobby tasks, but for like day in the office task. Yeah. And I set the goal that if I'm taking time off during the time I, I allocated to take a break, that goes to the intentional timer. Including restroom breaks, that also goes into the intentional timer too. And then... Things that I do to distract myself during the time I allocate to myself goes to the unintentional timer. And uh, I'm learning a lot about myself right now. I do not feel comfortable sharing on the air. <laughs> it t- turns out I distract myself a lot more than I thought I did. So this is kind of like a, like, this is like a very, it's like a very meta look of the, uh, of the distraction list, but I don't really yeah. know exactly what I'm distracting myself with. So it'd be nice to like write that down every hour what I'm distracting yeah, myself with. It, I like that. And, and it, I would really like to do that to actually to pull back and see, am I as productive uh, as I think I am? I've learned something about myself that every every hour up until like 1 p.m. to 2 p.m., I'm really good at sticking to the intentional non-productive time timer. But after like lunch, the unintentional one grows a lot more. Yeah. It's just hard for me to focus after lunch. Yeah. But that's a topic for another day. <laughs> another day. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, I think in the end, uh, to summarize the section of hyperfocus, it's about intentional work that you purposely shield yourself away from distractions however you can do it. He does, He's kind of broad about the techniques to do it. Mm-hmm. He goes everything from like putting your phone into not disturb mode to uh, disconnecting from the internet entirely to just doing like an intentionality log every once in a while. Uh, I think some final takeaways is that he put four stages of hyperfocus that I liked a lot, which was the first stage is choose a productive or meaningful task to work on. That's the key thing for him Mm -hmm. is choosing it beforehand. Yeah. And then managing distractions as they happen. So the management for like how I do it each day would be the tasker app is how I manage my distractions. So during this time block, I cannot access these parts of my phone. Uh, you could do it your own way as as you will. Tasker's kind of, yeah, I don't like the UI. That's why I want to do the blog post. It's just confusing to write about. <laughs> I was desperate at the time. There's probably better ways to automate your phone. Uh, then he goes into eliminate as many external and internal distractions as you can. Uh, focus solely on the task at hand is the next step, step number three. And then uh, focus on bringing your focus back whenever it breaks is step number four. And he also mentions that practicing mindfulness is a great way to do this because mindfulness makes you a better self-manager of your attention. And I will admit that I haven't been meditating over the past month or so. And that's probably one reason why the unintentional timer has been growing. (laughs) So yeah. uh, And just, it's nothing new under the sun, what he wrote about in hyperfocus. I didn't really feel like I learned that much here, but I got a lot of ideas reinforced that I liked. And I did learn a few new good things like, his version of the Eisenhower matrix and the rule of three. Yeah. Uh, any final takeaways on this section? Um, the outside of uh, removing things from your environment to help you focus, uh, one of the things that I noted was introducing more uh, production cues oh. um, into your environment is uh, one of the things that he said. So this can be things that kind of help liven up your environment, like plants. Plants are supposed to be a, a little booster for productivity and focus, um, having that within your office. And one thing that I added was a whiteboard. Um, and I actually oh. got this from, 
inspiration from a local podcaster. I've been helping her with her podcast and she has a big board in her office with all of her goals and everything on it. And I, as much as I planned and done everything else, I've never actually had a board to put that on. Hmm. Um, so there's an independent writer I follow as well. She keeps a big board with all her goal, her, you know, monthly goals on it. And I was like, you know, okay. So I went and I bought a small little board and I put my goals for the month of July. And I, I wrote some initial tasks on there as well. But I think for uh, the next month, uh, when I wipe it clean, because I've completed all those tasks, I will add just the big main goals, right? And my progress towards uh, completing them. Mm-hmm. So seeing that, right, introducing that into my environment, I can see that 10,000 word uh, goal that I have. I can see the next books on my to be read list. Um, I can see the big things that I need to accomplish. And so then I know that when I when I sit down in office to work, that those are the things that I'm focusing on. So that introducing that has been really beneficial. And then the last thing that I'll add to that, and this is in combination with the Medium article I actually read, was adding to my environment books. Um, So I've actually took some books out of of, uh, one of uh, my bookshelves, Mm -hmm. and I rearranged one of the shelves that I had in my office, and I put some of the books that are inspiring me there. So I have some uh, Tolkien books, uh, Martin's books, and then I have some recent books on uh, finances and writing and stuff that I keep in my office and are on my desk. I have a collection of essays by James Baldwin, and that's because those are the style of writing and things I'm researching. So their books are nearby. When I'm trying to think of something to write or, or, or something like that, I got their books right there. I can just grab them. And I can see them. I can look at a, a read a chapter, read a page, and be like, okay, this is how he did this. This is how they did that. And, and it's really kind of adding that in level of inspiration and focus for me. So that was another big thing um, for that chapter was not only taking things out of your environment, but introducing things into your environment mm-hmm. that will help you with your productivity. Yeah, I forgot that section. Yeah, the environment doesn't matter. He does bring up uh, something that I found very relatable is that the office is one of the most distracting places to be in, which I, yeah. which I knew was kind of true for a while, but I think that that really reinforced my belief because distractions, people coming into your office, people emailing you, even just like having a web browser on your computer can be very distracting. Mm-hmm. My office is about to introduce remote working and I expect to see a change whenever I could do days at a coffee shop. Like see yeah. a change in my productivity. And this is why George R. R. Martin works, writes in WordStar 4.0 <laughs> on a machine that must be maintained by specialist. He doesn't want those distractions. <laughs> yep. But that doesn't <laughs> seem to be helping. No shade. <laughs> no shade. Okay. Are you ready to move to the next section? Yeah. Scatter focus. How about you start us off with this? What were your thoughts on this section of the book? I like this one a lot. It was, uh, Chris defined scatter focus as strategically letting your mind wander to solve problems, which I think is a very valid statement to make. <laughs> it's kind of funny in the book. He's like, okay, now forget everything I told you about hyperfocus. We're going to do the complete opposite of that right now for the next half of the book. <laughs> <laughs> but his, his, his belief is that, uh, using both these systems of, reasoning and problem solving together is what makes somebody an effective and creative individual. And uh, he's a strong believer in taking rests when never needed, but deliberate rests that are designed to let your mind solve stuff because sometimes we could get really caught up in the weeds and completely miss obvious or, or what's, I guess, Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in your work and not be able to find a solution to what you're working on. And you might just like work on it for hours and get nowhere. But then like yeah. the next, that night before you go to bed, you're like, that's it. That's the answer. <laughs> right. Or so, you walk away to go get some coffee and you come back and you're like, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So the idea behind the focus section is strategically using that mode of your brain to get things done and solve problems. I really like this section. 
I, I remember watching this online lecture a while ago, like maybe two or three years ago about learning how to learn is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And one thing that they really emphasize on was actually taking breaks between learning new things. And they were talking about basically scatter focus without calling it scatter focus. And I've been kind of like a fan of it since then. Although I never like really incorporate it into my life. Like Chris talks about in this. Uh, yeah, I like this one a lot. I've had a lot of ideas. I, I, there was this one project I was working on at work that I would always work on on Fridays. So that way on the weekends I could like give myself more time to think about it. So like on Fridays of the day that I work on it, but the ideas actually come to me on the Saturday and Sunday following it. And so I've used it somewhat in my life, but never as strategically as he talks about it. It seems like a pretty simple topic. Uh, it seems like that you got a lot more of this chapter or the, uh, the section than I did, Mark, since he said most of your notes were here. Yeah. Do you want so, to take it away? <laughs> um, so he started this off with a win for me because he <laughs> used a Tolkien quote. <laughs> he did. Not all those who wander oh, are yes. lost. <laughs> Uh, it's one of his well-known quotes. So I was like, I'm going to like this section here. Um, this is something that I've been playing a lot with. And hopefully really? it's him because I, I've been doing other readings and we talked about in a previous episode with the para technique and, and I came across that framework of organization based mm. off having or uh, creating your second brain mm-hmm. if you will and uh, and hopefully this is this it was talked about in this book is when you read so many things it kind of gets crossed but <laughs> um in here i believe he was stating to the effect of you know being in uh, scatter focus or going into scatter focus mode that letting our mind wonder like there's only so many things, right, that you can kind of take in, that you can kind of consume mm-hmm. and process. And a lot of stuff you need to get out of the mind, right? Uh, that the mind isn't necessarily for storing those things, right? So I guess that's mm-hmm. what got me into the second brain, you know, um, stuff that people are talking about when it comes to productivity. Um, is that the brain not necessarily for storing, uh, trying to like store everything, all the bits and pieces of information so that you can create a second spot to drop all of, all of these things, all of your thoughts or ideas, and you remove away from it. And so for me, paired with this, right, is that it's background processing. Hmm. I was able to get the idea out onto paper. I didn't lose it. Here's this idea. Um, and, it, and it calls back to songwriting. I may have a melody in my head. I don't mm. know what the lyrics are, but I record the melodies and I mm. actually sent two of them to my sister mm. um, so she can listen to them and see if she has any thoughts on lyrics and stuff. But the melody comes, the idea comes, you record it, you get it out of your head because you don't want to lose it and you don't know what you're going to do with that. It's out and now it goes into the back and it's processing. Mm. Someone's doing the work. Uh, working on it, they're trying to connect all these other dots and like, okay, this is like this, this is like this. Then when you finally revisit it, and this is kind of the the thing about you're working on a task and you can't proceed any further, you're just stuck and you take a break from it. And now you're letting your brain rest from it. It's able to take a break, do the processing, and you can come back with a new fresh eyes, a fresh perspective. And you've been able to, con- what he calls, connect those dots together mm-hmm. to provide a solution or create a solution to that problem or to come up with something. So trying this um, using the second brain and the um, and this technique of sleeping on it, uh, he references that as well in this chapter. Mm-hmm. That's actually when I made my biggest writing uh, um goal in quite a while. Mm. So the largest single sitting of writing I have done has been, I think, between four to 5,000 words in a single single sit down, write, and flood it out like that. In this one, I was like, okay. So he mentions like, get these ideas out on paper, write all the things that are bugging you, um, the problems that you're having trouble with. 
And so I did that for two chapters that I'm writing. I was writing, okay, where am I stuck? Where do Mm. I need to go? What do I need to do? What do I need to think about? And here are some potential scenes that I should write. And I looked them over and I was like, okay, this is going to be my writing for tomorrow. I slept on it. I Mm. came back the next day, looked them over, and then just boom. (laughs) Out came like my big word count for the day of like just a smidge over 2,000 for that chapter mm-hmm. um, and, and into the next. So I got to finish off one chapter with 3,000 words, and I'm like halfway through the chapter after that. And I was like, wow, that like really worked. I didn't, like I wrote down my problems, and then I, you know, let my brain do the processing and connecting the dots, and I knew where I needed to go. Mm-hmm. There were no breaks. It was just one continuous write, writing stream. So yeah, I it, this has been something that I've been playing a lot with or thinking a lot about, um, and just in my organization of data to be able to let these things mm-hmm. process in a background. And then it also comes to another thing of compounding data or compounding knowledge, uh, and this is something that Warren Buffett has talked about extensively. He's a voracious reader. And everyone is asking, well, how do you know all of these things and when to make the best decisions and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I read several things. I consume all of this knowledge. I may not necessarily need to use it at this point in time, but it sits there and it compounds with every new thing I read adds to it, connecting those dots. And so then when I do need to make a decision on it, I already know about the industry. I already know about this. I already know about mm. that. Same thing with George R. R. Martin. Uh, uh, you're going to mention, I'm mentioning him a lot and Tolkien a lot. Those <laughs> hey, are my I'm writer. the same two podcasts over and over <laughs> Cortex and Focused. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. So when it comes to like writing, Martin is like, I'm able to write in these various genres because I read everything, read everything. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're a horror writer, don't just read horror, read science fiction, mm. read fantasy, read mystery, read nonfiction, read historical stuff, read all of these things. And you're able to pull them together and compound that knowledge to move you for, further. And that's kind of like where I'm at with, with this chapter. I was like, oh man, I love this. I was making lots of notes, lots of bookmarks about these particular items that he was mentioning. And it's kind of just been something that I've been experimenting with myself and I'm finding good success. Now that can just be coincidence and maybe there's, <laughs> maybe it's because I had like 19 grams of coffee beans instead of 17 <laughs> grams of coffee beans that morning. But um, <laughs> that's what I got out of this chapter. Yeah. It was a really helpful chapter. I like the, the idea of like anything to help you boost creativity. And there's some things that kind of, that really, or there's some things that really ring true with me in this chapter. He talks about three different kinds of way to scatter focus. One is a capture mode, which reminds me of your morning journal, Mark. Mm-hmm. You just kind of sit there and he's like, write down whatever ideas come to you. It doesn't matter what they are, good or bad, or impossible or possible. Just write them down and just see what happens. And then the other idea was problem crunching mode, which is kind of like I was doing at work. I like, deliberately work on a project before leaving the office on Fridays. And like I let my mind figure out solutions as I'm out and about. And then the other one uh, he talks about, which I think is the most true, is habitual mode, which mm-hmm. is doing something of habit, like cleaning dishes, going for a run, yeah. going for a walk without distractions and just seeing what comes to you and like writing them down, which yes. that one really rang true with me because he recommends uh, going for a run without a headphone, without headphones on. And I run to listen to podcasts. Like I, I, I love running, but I also use it to catch up on podcasts. But I've had moments where like I'm running and like listen to like an episode of the Adventure Zone, and the next thing I know, the the episode's over and I don't know what they talked about because I was so busy with my mind just wandering in different places. I was like, wait, wait, wait! I was like, wait, what happened in the episode? <laughs> like, I was like, that's a very true statement in this book. That's the thing I rel- that I found the most relatable in this chapter. Just like you'll that there's some habits that you do that just like let your brain go into autopilot, which he actually recommends to utilize those the best way possible which is like, don't use headphones if you don't want to. Yeah. Or if you're trying to like solve a problem or you have ideas that come to you or if 
you run with headphones on, turn them off if you have like a lot of ideas coming to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also goes into talking about how to scatter focus, which is just pretty much do things that are low effort or habitual or take a short walk or yeah. sleep and meditate, which he also recommends too. Meditation. Yeah, I definitely need to do more meditation. <laughs> I'm disappointed in myself. Uh, yeah, I, I think that this section was very insightful, but I didn't take as many notes as I did in the hyperfocus section mm-hmm. because Skyfocus is it. I actually enjoyed this half of the book better than the first half of the book. Yeah. But I feel like that. I don't know. I just didn't take as many notes, I guess. I guess it's too enticed to take notes. <laughs> so oh, no. Yeah. No, that's all right. No. But one thing I liked about it is that he talks about, like you're saying, like George R. R. Martin, like reading everything if you like, want to become a better writer or learn more about different industries if you want to become like a good businessman. He talks about connecting the dots and deliberately choosing dots to choose, which he defines dots as just nodes of information and resources in your brain. And they could go anything from TED Talks you watch to podcasts you listen to, to books you read, to YouTube channels you consume or anything, basically anything that could be defined as a specific piece of information in your mind. And and we all come back to my theme, consumption, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, so it's good to consumption. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And consuming all of that content. And I had a note like somewhere that I made was like, this is now I'm being more intentional about the things that I consume. Like mm. I may not be yeah. able to use it at this point in time, but it's sitting back there and I know where it's at. Mm. I've come across it. And when I do take action on it, I, I feel like I'm a little bit better at, uh, at that particular thing mm. because I've been consuming a lot of uh, uh, content on it, whether it's book or videos or things mm. like that. And it's all within the realm of things that I would like to do. Mm. Did you take inventory on the things you consume like he talks about doing? Um, no, I didn't. No. Um, so I've been like, I had a big watch later list on YouTube. So what I've been doing is like just going through and I'm like, you know, I, I don't think I want to watch this. I, I think, <laughs> I guess to put it back in those, uh, those uh, the Eisenhower matrix, right? Mm. I was like, this is entertaining, but it's not going to help me. So yeah. I delete, right? And so now it's back to, um, things about design, illustration, drawing, business, uh, freelance things, uh, things that pop up for uh, taxes. Of course, anything with writers writing mm. are videos that I'm consuming and uh, dividend investing. I'm, I'm getting into more into investing and in different things. So watching videos and investing and then listening to more stuff, uh, what Warren Buffett has to say and mm. And all these things. So all of it are bits and pieces and areas that I personally want to improve upon. Now, I may not be able to, like I said, focus. I'm not going to be writing 24-7 or I'm not doing any design stuff mm-hmm. uh, for anyone or at the moment. But I'm learning more about the processes and I'm just compounding that knowledge so I can use it later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like <laughs> How he describes that you should, if you want to, go even further on your inventory and divide it by useful, balanced, entertaining, and trashy for things that you yes. consume. Yes. <laughs> Which, yeah, I think that would be a very uh, eye-opening thing to do. <laughs> yeah. It it is like I I guess I should go through and actually like write it down because I only yeah. I only I mentally classify it and like <laughs> like. I just want to watch this because it's entertaining. It's like just it's yeah. trashy. It's drama or something like that. Hey, there's like, nothing wrong with like a ham, like a fast food hamburger every once in a while. Just you can't consume too much trash. Ex- exactly. No I autoplay. Get, Taco Bell is my guilty pleasure. I'll get it like once a month <laughs> because <laughs> I love how artificial it tastes there. <laughs> That's a completely different topic on its own. I strongly believe that Taco Bell has remixed food so much that, they're, that, that they are their own genre of food now and nothing else could emulate them. And it needs to be indulged for that reason. So <laughs> 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 That's my own personal belief. <laughs> I last ate Taco Bell like over three years ago. Oh, wow. I think it was like maybe a month or two ago for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so one thing that I, I out of this chapter, I think, um, out of all the notes that I want to start doing was, so when I plan, I do weekly planning every Sunday, I sit down mm-hmm. and say, what do I want to do? Or every Sunday, I try my best every Sunday to sit down and say, what do I want to work on this mm-hmm. week? So is Monday going to be a day off? Mm-hmm. Is Tuesday going to be a night of editing? Is Wednesday, am I going to be doing writing and this? Thursdays, I always have to prep for Austin Podcaster posts on Friday. Mm-hmm. One thing that I like is that he has this note, like when you're um, defining your s- schedule, ask questions like, how much productivity and creativity will I need this week? Oh, yeah, I forgot that. That's a good, yeah. Yeah. And and then how many blocks of time can I commit to hyper focus and scatter focus? So I, I again like taking the hyper focus and instead of my rule of three, maybe my Wednesday is a hyper focus on this one particular thing. Maybe my Thursday or Saturday is a scatter focus or maybe Saturday morning is a scatter focus. I go walking and I don't listen to any books, no distractions, and just walk and see what my mind comes with. Mm-hmm. So I like the, like you said earlier, his intentionality regarding mm-hmm. these things. So I think that's something I want to add to my planning. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've started doing after actually I finished reading the Project TV project is uh, every afternoon as my afternoon break at, in the office, I will take like a 10 to 15 minute walk around the outside of the building with no phone, no nothing, just walking around and just like let my mind relax and come up with ideas. Yeah. And it's been helping me a lot. It's been, it's been my, I guess, my replacement for meditation lately. It's not as effective as just meditating, but it still helps a lot just to like let your mind wander and see what you arrived to. Absolutely. Yeah. Although I don't bring a notebook with me, which I should probably start doing because I do have ideas that just disappear. So <laughs> it's good to have a notebook for that reason. I should start doing that. But yeah, it's, I really appreciate this part of the book because it seems not counterintuitive, but people don't really think about being deliberately off, <laughs> like having their mind deliberately off, like their focus. Yeah. Delib- when you think about, when you think about productivity books, you think about, okay, what's the best thing to get something off my task list? What's the best thing to move to the next thing? What's the best thing to focus for four hours without stopping? Mm-hmm. Like you, you'd think about that, but this is actually one reason I like about Chris Bailey as a writer and I guess a communicator of business and productivity practices is that he seems to be a little bit more holistic in his approach, which I very much agree with. Like there's, you should be focusing on both the times that you are not working and the times that you are working with equal intent. Uh, and also, as mentioned in both parts of the book, sleep, get plenty of sleep. It will improve you on your focus and also your creativity immensely. Yes. That is the biggest takeaway, I think. Not really the biggest takeaway that I got from this book, but the biggest takeaway in terms of like things to like really be conscious on is your sleep. Ask my girlfriend. Uh, I'm a bit of a stickler when it comes to sleep time and sleep schedules because... I know if I don't focus on it, I will have a really bad day the next day. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> it's getting pro- late. It's getting late, and I'm, I can probably go through all of my notes <laughs> yeah. uh, about this. this. Okay, well then, let's get to the final section. Let's talk yes. about final takeaways and final thoughts in the book, and like if you'd recommend it or not. Start with you. Yeah, my. I mean, my final takeaways. Uh, I think. Uh, all comes back to my theme. I, I guess I kind of spoiled that earlier. I, I, I guess that could have been my takeaway is that this book for me was a lot about consumption. And I think for me personally, why that's been a my final takeaway on reading this book is because I've been focused on reducing my consumption in various things, mm-hmm. you know, hitting my 10K work goal. Um, is something that I would much rather consume and much rather zoom out and see myself doing. Uh, So I would definitely recommend this book. I've actually, even after I finished, so I initially listened to it in audiobook form and Mm -hmm. I devoured that like in (laughs) two days, I think. Yeah, you sent me a text 
like on that Sunday after we decided to read the book on the Thursday beforehand yeah. saying, Oh, done great book. It's like, what? <laughs> I, we deliberately gave ourselves a half a week more to read this book because I thought it was going to take us a while since I'm a slow reader. So I just assumed that you would take the slow route too. Yeah, no, I, I devoured the book. And so I then also got the ebook, right? Yeah. And then I started going back through it after, you know, listening and I just started rereading back through parts of the book and all the notes I took and adding extra notes and then writing my thoughts. So I've I've um, I highly recommend this book and I gave it a five out of five. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, I would agree that there's a lot of things in this book, uh, especially like you are what you consume is a really big thing, especially in the sky focus section. Um, I love Chris Bailey as an author. I think that he, this is his second novel. He not novel. It's not a fiction book. This is the second book he's published and I'm probably consuming everything that he produces from here on out. Yeah. Overall though, the book was helpful for getting some things into perspective. I'd say it kind of was lacking in like concrete methods for most places is more like a book on suggestions, Yeah, which is fine. I actually, I prefer that. Because I feel like that a lot of Bright Today books kind of like sell you on this is the method that you should do to get more things done. Yes. Uh, like, so I kind of like this more casual approach to it. It's like, here's some ideas that I've read and researched that will help you do this. Mm-hmm. Or here's some things that worked for me that might work for you. And I think I learned a lot in terms of scatter focus and hyper focus. And as we see, our next topic is going to be based off of this book which uh, we kind of hinted towards earlier, or I did say outright, it's kind of, I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Our next topic is going to be doing the hour ping and then writing down what's distracting us or what's, what's our attention is focused on while we're trying to get things done. So every hour at the top of the hour or like even randomly within the hour, like write down something like, okay, right now I am now procrastinating with twitch.tv when I should be working on this which that is a big distractor of mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, yeah, I think that just like one thing that he really brings into this book that I really believe in is just the awareness of what you're doing, which is why I did time tracking, just to at least be aware of what you're working on. You have that record there. And I, yeah, I give this book a five out of five as well. I, I think that he could have done a little bit better on describing like the techniques, but I think that this book is a good good philosophy book. Yes. And for that, I give a five out of five. But in the meantime, we will continue doing our, our bi-weekly challenges. With the next one being straight from this book, The Attention List, which we should be starting tomorrow and get back to you in about two weeks about what we think about this technique that Chris suggested. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark, where can people find you? People can find me on the Twitters and Instagram at AskMarkIO. And if you would like to find my writings, um, I'm sensitive about my writing, so don't judge me. Actually, judge all you want. Um, I love the critique. But if you if you want to read uh, my personal blog and see my crappy illustrations, uh, that is at AskMark.io. And Kyle, where can they find you? Yeah, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at KyleSQ9, where you'd see my random tweets about random things, depending on what I'm interested at the time. Uh, apparently, I sometimes tweet confusing things about uh, speedrun culture, because I like to watch speedruns. <laughs> 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 I, I had this one tweet where uh, I was talking like, like how like, like this, like this, this four hour run is amazing. Like thanks to this guy running it and this host of GDQ. Like you guys are all great. And a friend of mine who knows that I like to run a lot that I took a four hour jog. So she I was thought like, the same. <laughs> she's like, what are you? T-? She's like, wow, you took a four hour run. I didn't know you ran that much. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> I can see the confusion. The word <laughs> run means something different whenever you're watching games done quick than it does when you're going for a jog. And you're <laughs> so, I, I, I was like, wow, okay. He likes running. <laughs> I do like running. I did take a two hour jog, uh, two hour run like two weeks before that, but that was like, I don't run that much that often. I'll never do four hours. I'm not going to run a marathon. That's too much. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, so you can see confusing tweets about where I occasionally tweet about 
random gaming or Twitch culture that will confuse people. And then other things will be productivity related or Austin or podcasting related typically. And then you also follow me on Instagram with the same handle at KyleSQ9, where I will post random pictures of my dog, mostly, <laughs> who is the unofficial mascot of the show, Riggins. He is a half Labrador retriever, so he is, by definition, the productivity lab. And uh, finally, you could see my random writings. I update like once every four months on quadrant9.net. And that's it. You could find us at where, Mark? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Productive Lab. And if you would like to visit our beautiful website, you can go to the Productivity Lab dot show. That is the Productivity Lab dot show or TPL dot show for short. All right, that'll do it for for us this week. We'll see you in two weeks with our results on attention journaling. Until then, stay productive. If you would like to visit our beautiful website, you can go to theproductivelab.show. Nope, nope. <laughs> What's the website? Theproductivelab.show. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even get that right. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I, was, I was about to say TPL and I was like, maybe I should give the full name. Okay. Yeah, do the full, okay. Okay. we do the website part. <laughs>